Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Houseless Podcast. Uh, today, I have a very, uh, very, very special episode. And um, I was going through some old tapes. As you know, I am moving, so I've been going through many, many boxes of stuff. I have thousands and thousands of records, tapes, CDs, magazines, and pieces of paper. And as you guys know, for years, I've been interviewing people. It's not just, didn't just start on the podcast. So I was going through some stuff and I've been digitizing them as well. And um, I came across this tape with a couple different interviews on it. And at the very end of it, uh, there was one with my old friend, Brendan Whitney, AKA alias of the Anticon Collective, great producer, writer, MC, who passed away last year. Um, as you know, we, we've talked about it a couple different times on this show. And um, even if you go back to episode 97, that's the uh, live recording of the celebration of, of Brendan's uh, life that I produced in Los Angeles at the Terragram Ballroom. It's a whole show over five and a half hours, uh, definitely our longest episode ever. And I was going through this tape and, and, I, and I heard Brendan. In fact, it, was, it must have been an interview with about Anticon or with the guys because once I was... Adam, Dose One, Drucker, and then uh, Tim Holland, a.k.a. Soul. And then at the end, briefly, uh, was this chat with Brendan. And so I wanted to, I thought it was so special. Even though it's short, it's about 20 minutes long, I wanted to share it with everybody. I asked um, Jen Whitney, his wife, if it's okay, and she gave me her permission. So thank you, Jen. Shouts to you and your whole family and all the fans of Alias. I thought this might be a nice companion piece because I saw a lot of people really react to the live show and just being there at those two shows, the one in LA and New York. Um, when I when I started hearing he, him and I talk, um, I was like, I gotta see if I can share this. Like, it's it's a treat, especially because of when it was recorded. Now, I don't, I didn't, there wasn't any writing on this cassette, but it had to have been in the year 2000. There's even a chance it could have been 1999, but it was definitely around that era because he had only put out uh, his first single. Uh, his debut album, The Other Side of the Looking Glass, was not out. Um, and in fact, we do make mention of this uh, EP, Three Phase Irony Double EP, which now I'm looking I looked it up on Discogs to make sure it's that was, I guess, officially came out 2002. So this interview had to have been around 2000, 2001, something like that, for sure. Um, and yeah, because Final Act was the only thing he had out. And he had just gotten back from, I think, his first real tour, which might have been the Mush tour. I don't know. We didn't specify it on this. Mush Records did a couple different um, collaboration tour or kind of stack bill tours. I don't know if it was that or if it was like an Anticon specific thing with Soul, Dose, and Alias, not exactly sure. Someone can clarify, and please do it in the comments if you can. I'm going to leave a couple links in the bio of this on SoundCloud, linking some of the older shows um, that are uh, um, that are connected to this, particularly episode 97. And I'm also going to put uh, a link to the, his most recent album, which did come out. Uh, called Less is the Orchestra in 2018, just a few months ago, really, the one with Dose and Alias collaborating together, and um, and some other info on how you can still help and support the family if you like. So anyway, with that being said, 
Here's his brief. It was a phone interview. He was in Oakland. I'm pretty sure I was in Arcata, California by this time. I might have been in Portland, Oregon. Because I, when I moved out west, I moved to Portland first. Then I moved to Arcata. And um, so it was somewhere around that period of time, the beginning of the 2000s, 2000 or 2001. So this is dedicated to all his fans, his friends, little little piece of history that I wanted to share. A very simple, innocent little thing for some magazine, which, you know, I like the fact that it's a little vague because I don't even really remember where it's published. It could have been anywhere. So hope you guys enjoy. I'm going to just leave it at that. I might play some uh, a song at the end, too, from that era to kind of make it seem, tie it in a little bit more. So, all right, guys, thanks so much for the support. Enjoy this brief conversation I had with Brendan Whitney, a.k.a. Alias, back, way back when, almost 20 years ago. All right, y'all. Peace. Enjoy. What's, What's up, up, Peter? How What's you up? doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Word up. Uh, how is the tour going for you? Oh, man. I'm glad I'm not in the cubicle. That's for damn sure. Really? Yeah. That's cool, man. It's going really good, man. This And this is kind of like the... The first time you really stepped out and done the tour thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I stepped out, I, like, I, I did, like, a week tour, like, last summer or something. Yeah. But then I went right back to work afterwards. Yeah, you don't have to, you're not going back to work when you come back, right? No, I'm going to try and give a, give a stab at, uh, you know. Being a full-time rapper? Being a full-time rapper, yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah, man. How, how's the response been to your set? Um, it's been cool, <laughs> man. It's been really cool. Yeah. Like, I'll try and make it high energy, so yeah, it's usually uh, usually goes over really well. I've gotten it's weird because I haven't really had a chance to interact with fans like this before, so it's people are knowing the music and knowing who you are and whatnot. Yeah, man, it's it's really crazy. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it freaks me out sometimes. I bet. It's just like uh, I don't know, man. Like when we did the Ann Arbor show, there was like everybody was singing like every word of Divine Disappointment. Really? And it was fucking. It's crazy. That's dope. Yeah. So what uh what is on tap for you when you return? I mean, I know a lot of things have kind of me and Tim just kind of touched on a lot of stuff, but um a lot of things have kind of been changing, and I'm sure things are at a turning point now that this tour is happening and whatnot. But musically, where where are you at when you when you return? Um, well, I'm gonna when I get back, I'm gonna finish up my album. I had my album finished, but uh, I wanted I like took some songs off. And, yeah, you came. You hit me off with a copy yeah, a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. So you're you're not trashing the whole thing? No, I'm not trashing the whole thing. <clears throat> I'm I'm t- I took off a few songs and I'm gonna replace them with some some different ones to to kind of break up the feel of the the album because uh-huh. I thought it was a little too monotonous. Yeah. So that's I got that. Uh, that shouldn't take too long. And then um, I'm gonna do some production work, some more production work for. Uh, the Sage Francis album okay. that's coming out on Anticon and me and Tim are doing um, an album together with him uh, on lyrics and me on production you're not going to do any uh, lyrics yourself? Um, I don't know it depends on what happens uh, I haven't really been writing too much I've been more like into making beats yeah because you just got the, the yeah. MP right? So. yeah I just got my got my sampler so I'm like yeah. I'm uh like a, a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Plus, like, being on tour, I, I've been hitting up all these record shops and getting all these records that I've been looking for forever. Yeah, yeah. dope, dope. So, uh, I got, I don't know, and then I got some other, I want to try and get into doing some, uh, 
like movie score or TV uh, TV music, you know, like for for the background music for shows or something. Yeah, interesting. See if I can hook that up for some. Yeah, man. For some other things to do. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so why don't you give me what I've done with everyone else is just done a uh, just took them aside individually and talked about their upbringing and the in the rap biz and whatnot, and then like coming at the the move out out west and then the gradual growth of Anticon like from that and shit so tell me you know just uh, you know what how things kind of came about for you in Maine and then how it kind of all worked up to this point right now Um, well I was I was born and raised in Maine and um, uh, let's see I I met Soul uh, in 90 I think it was 94 Uh at um at a radio show because I was friends with this this guy who had a radio show. Uh-huh. He was kind of like my mentor or whatever. Uh-huh. That was when I first like started rapping in front of other people or yeah. whatever. And um, I met Tim there and um, didn't like him at first because he was like, he was like a cocky fifteen year old, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, but then like eventually like he was doing a lot of stuff and and I was trying to do a lot of music or whatever like I was I really liked doing music so, and, and Tim was doing a lot of music so I started hanging out with him and um, eventually he and I just like started doing songs together like just for the hell of it or whatever and, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted I was always I always wanted to like I wouldn't I wanted like total control over the music that I was making and Mood Swing Nine uh, had the had the sampler, and I I don't know like he was working with Tim and some other people, so he didn't really have a lot of time to work with me. So I asked him to teach me how to use uh, his sampler. Mm-hmm. So I, he just he taught me like the basics of it, and um, started making beats. But and then he he taught me like uh, like what breaks to look for, like what records I should be looking for to for for drums and stuff mm-hmm. and um, I don't know we, we got flown out to our first show like I, I started doing shows like in the New England area with with him with mm-hmm. Tim and Live Poets yeah with Live Poets uh, I don't know like 96 and 97 mm-hmm. and uh, then in April of 98 uh, we got flown out to our first show in uh, Memphis, and we met Mr. Dibbs there. Uh-huh. That was and the first time you guys met him. Yeah, that was like our first time. That like we all we all knew his music and stuff, and we were all like fans of him or whatever. Yeah. But uh, like it turned out that he knew who Tim was and stuff, and and uh, he told us about this this kid who he was working with, who had heard Tim's uh, single and really liked it, and um, and it turned out to be Dose. So like uh, we all pretty much decided that we wanted to do something with him, with Dose, and uh, and then it just I don't know it, it all came together really like quickly and uh, Slug got into the picture and Slug said that he had a um, he had a studio that we could record at so probably Minneapolis yeah uh-huh. so I mean it was just just we all just decided to to go out to Minneapolis and do Deep Puddle. And that was like, 
I mean, I I liked doing music uh, as like, I don't know, I kind of viewed it as a pastime. I never really took it too seriously until after we recorded Deep Puddle and I got to listen to it. And I was just like amazed at the, uh, the way that it came out. Yeah. And it really like opened my eyes up to wanting to um, try and do it more passionately. Yeah. Like it, it just made me more aware of what I wanted to do. And, uh, and like right before, like a month before we did uh, Deep Puddle, Tim moved out to the Bay. And then uh, like a year and a half later, uh, I decided to move out to the Bay. Mm-hmm. And What were you doing in the meantime? After he moved, yeah. uh, Mood Swing 9 was there for another like, I don't know, like four months. Oh, after- really? Yeah, so I was, like, making beats and doing some songs and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but then after he moved, I wasn't really doing much of anything. <clears> really? There wasn't any... I didn't have access to any equipment or anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any money to buy my own equipment because Maine's economy sucks. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but then DJ Mayonnaise bought a sampler, and he... I mean, I, I've known him since I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. He and I always kind of did music together, so he, I mean, we just, we kind of did some shows here and there, opening up for rock bands and stuff. And really? Yeah, I mean, it, we, it was, it was cool, just because we had an opportunity to perform in front of people, uh-huh. but it was, like, the the main music scene is alternative rock or, or hard rock or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's not a lot of, there wasn't. At that point, there wasn't a lot of hip-hop or a lot of interest for hip-hop, so it kind of sucked until I moved out to the Bay as far as, like, doing music and stuff, but Mm -hmm. we tried to keep busy, and I actually recorded a few songs in a studio out there, like, right before I moved out, so Mm -hmm. it kind of got me ready for when I got out to the Bay, and I started doing music a lot, so it was cool. So then you, uh... What was the process as far as recording this album that you have right now? Like, uh, did you start recording that immediately once you kind of got settled into the Bay, or? Um, I started, like, we were, when I, when I first got out there, we were doing the so-called artist album mm-hmm. for Mush Records. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get a chance to, like, start working on my album right away. Like, I really wanted to, but we were doing that. And then, uh, like, once, once we were nearing, um, getting the so-called so-called artist album mm-hmm. done I started like putting setting beats aside for my album yeah. that, I, that I was because I was always making beats like I I got a job like a week after I got to the bay and like I'd come home from work we work if we weren't working on the so-called artist album I'd just be making beats or whatever mm-hmm. and, um, started setting setting beats aside and um I don't know. I, I just as soon as we were done with the so-called artist album, I started really working hard on mine, hmm. and um, I just I don't know. Put together, I just had a bunch of beats, and as soon as I'd like have a beat that I really liked and thought that I would sound well, like sound good over, I'd just keep it for myself yeah. as opposed to giving it to someone else. So it just kind of I just kept working, and by the time I I knew I had like 15 songs done. Mm-hmm. I guess 
maybe the uh, response since the album has yet to drop? I mean, you, you've got how's the response with the single been so far? The single's been cool. Yeah. I, I've been getting a lot of. I mean, it it hasn't um, because of business issues. It hasn't gotten out as much as the other singles have. Really. So it's kind of limited that, but it's. I've gotten a lot of response. Wait, is, is, is TRC's blackballing you or some shit? Yeah, they, I mean, they, I don't know, like, I don't think it's, I don't know if they're repressing it or whatever at this point. Right. Like, I don't know what's up with all of that. Yeah. But, um, it's, uh, I, it didn't get out as much as the other singles did, but uh, I got, I did get a lot of feedback from it. Like, I, I got a bunch of, I've gotten emails from, everywhere because of like the mp3 and mm -hmm. stuff and like uh i don't know i i just put out like a the double this double ep yeah, yeah like, i got i got it okay uh -huh. yeah i put that out to like compensate for for this single not getting out as much as i thought it should have yeah. so i've been getting it's all been good response so far cool because i've been selling it to kids at shows and stuff yeah so. yeah i'm very anxious to see the full length finally drop i think i guess you might very well be the well not necessarily the last one but yeah one of the very last people to kind of get something into the market and whatnot yeah it's definitely so i'm really looking forward to because i've been keeping it like i've had it a lot of i've had the album the first version of the album done for a while mm -hmm. but i've only been giving it to a few i haven't really given it to any people i've only given it to like five people yeah and uh so i'm i'm pretty excited to see what people say about it yeah definitely Word. Um, so, what? When? Uh, this is another question I've been kind of asking everyone, uh, not necessarily like reflecting my point of view, but when uh, if someone was to call or label maybe categorize Anticon as being post rap, what would you? What do you think of that when that comes to mind? Um, I mean, the label in itself is kind of just labeling, you know. But yeah, I mean, me personally, I'm like I don't really. I, like labeling, is, labeling things is usually to me. I don't see it as really a good thing, mm -hmm. but I can, I can see why people would would say that we're post rap or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I mean, we're def, we're definitely we definitely have a different sound than other people. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot more uh, like rock influenced, and I think that's probably why people say post rap, like as opposed to post rock or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there it is. Uh, I do apologize for the abrupt ending there, but the tape simply ran out right there. And uh, I don't know what happened with the rest of that conversation, but I did want to share it with you. I did feel like it was timely and it captured a very particular uh, and a very specific period of time in Bren's life and his career as well. So I think I'm going to end the show... Uh, with uh, the instrumental to uh, Three Phase Irony, which was his first single, his debut single uh, on Anticon, 12-inch, and uh, predated the album, his debut album. And I think that's basically what was out at the time of our, of our interview. Now, there was like a little extended EP that was like a CD only uh, as well. But as far as like a first real thing... Um, this was it. And uh, 
you know, I, I love Bren so much. Like, I listening back to this too, you can see where I like mentioned TRC. Like, you know, I was like, not that I was trying to bait him by any means. I think I was too then learning the ins and outs of the distribution game. TRC was uh, it's a long defunct record distributor that was based in the Bay, and, I, and that, if I'm not mistaken, that was where. Um, Anticon, some of Anticon's releases at that time were distributed by them. So, and I can't even really recall, and you know uh, why, but I guess there were some delays of some nature with his release, which happens for all types of reasons. It's usually production delays, honestly, or scheduling. And so there was a moment there when I was like, you know, tried to figure out why or whatever. Um, but I do believe that this release was part of that deal, and uh, I wanted to play a little something that was relevant to the time period. So he'll be sorely missed. He was a friend to many, as I've said before, and, and many people have said, definitely go get that new album uh, with Dose. It's funny on that tape with this interview, it was Adam on one, Dose one on one side, Tim, Holland, AKA Soul, and then Alias. In fact, I was talking to Tim on the tape for most of it, and then he, uh, he basically just handed the phone over to, to Brendan. Um, to Alias. And then that's where this conversation that I shared um, is from. And it was recorded in Oakland. I think it was when they were all living in this house uh, uh, close to Lake Merritt uh, section. Um, and that was when a lot of that really early stuff was made. I don't think they had moved to the warehouse yet, which was within the following year or two, um, if I'm not mistaken. Now, uh, that's just kind of, I'm just sort of guessing it from, I remember going, uh, filming them all a lot during that period of time too, because I was doing my Culturama thing. So uh, shout out to Josh Berg, who edited this and also was the front of house engineer on our show in Los Angeles at the Terragram Ballroom, which you should definitely listen to the full live experience um, posted only here on the Houses podcast. That's also was engineered by Josh. Um, so shout to him. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please subscribe wherever you listen to the show. And um, I'll be seeing you guys really soon. So let's end on this great beat. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure that, you know, Brendan would be kind of like rolling his eyes that I would choose this. Although I think it's great. I think it actually sounds pretty relevant today. Like you can hear, I could hear uh, an offset uh, rhyming on this Um or I don't even know if he would call it rhyming, but like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like the point I'm trying to make, great drum programming. Um, Lord knows whatever gear he was using, it was all analog, that's for sure. I don't even think Pro Tools was really being utilized by this period of time. So yeah, enjoy and thank you guys. And th again, thanks to Jen for allowing me to, to post this. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys liked it. All right, peace out.